It's Tuesday, September 13th, and this is Season 7, Episode 7 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is John. Lovely to be with you, as always. Tommy. What's up? And Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Well, I want to start the conversation. So we were supposed to have a match that we would be talking about today against Manchester City, but it was postponed for, I guess, a very good reason. Um, so uh, I think we should at least touch base on that. Um, obviously, um, uh, the Queen passed away. It's a very big thing in England. Um, I'm sure some of us have strong feelings about that. Um, so let's have a little bit of a conversation before we roll into talking about today's kind of uh, mixed performance. Uh, John? Uh, well, as a Brit, um, I feel sadness for the loss of Her Majesty. Um, she was a public servant for a very long time. Did a wonderful job. Beloved by everybody. Um, but she'd had a good life and um, she appeared to be in good health even two days before she died. So um, I give my condolences to everybody who's British who's feeling sad at this point. Um, but God save the king. Yeah, well, that's a good, good shout. And I know there's a lot of conversation going on online um, that people, yeah, the, the old rules uh, might not, that they might not apply anymore. But um, do you, does everybody feel that this period of mourning is appropriate, a break in the league? I know this was the only um, major English sport that, that took this, uh, this time period. Like most of the other ones, uh, were, like cricket was playing. Um, like uh, other leagues were playing. Do you guys feel that this was a, a appropriate action? Well, I, I, there were mixed feelings about this, and I must admit I've got mixed feelings myself. I think that it would have been quite appropriate to have had the matches, had a period of silence, um, sing God Save the, the King, and, uh, and move on. But historically, and by the, what I say historically, the last time this happened was, uh, what, 70-odd years ago, um, this is what we did. And I think we're just doing what we do now because that's what we did 70 years ago, but nobody thought whether what, what was appropriate 70 years ago would be appropriate now. So I think we need to do some revision into that because it's not going to be too long before we're doing this all again. And... Um, well, it may be, I don't know, but even if he lives the same, if Charles lives the same age as his mother, it'll still only be 25 odd years. So um, I, I would have liked to have seen him play the games um, with respect to Her Majesty. Yeah, I, 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 I th I've heard a lot of that too, that it would show just as much respect to actually play them and have that moment of silence and, and, and yeah, saying God save the king. Um, th that would show the same t type of respect. I guess you're worried a little bit about the um, the, pol the police being available b due to other events that are, are going on related to uh, the, the Queen's passing. Uh, but um, but yeah, I think that would have been just as respectful. I, I do think uh, like, uh, the closest comparison I have is 9-11. Um, like uh, I, I remember right in, after 9-11, there was no sporting events in New York for probably... Actually, the country. Oh, yeah, the whole country. Because MLB was done, or they were gone for the weekend. NFL got post moved back to another... Or moved back a week. Uh, as a racing fan, for those... Don't, we're, uh, it was actually the first American sporting event. They raced in... Well, it, was actually, it was Champ Car, which is now IndyCar, but they raced... Well, the race was actually in Germany, and that was actually technically the first American sporting event that started after September 11th. Um, well, it, it, the first event in New York I, was, I actually went to, it was a, a, a Mets-Braves game. Oh, okay. Uh, but that was the first in New York, not I would have assumed, country. actually, um, U.S. Open probably wouldn't have been done by then. Well, and they were using uh, the, the stadium uh, as a staging area. Um, for uh, bringing equipment and supplies in to, for for 9/11, so it wasn't even available. Uh, but the Mets were the first team to to have a, an actual sporting event in in the city of New York. Um, but that's I don't know that that's comparable. That's apples to oranges, uh, Lucas. Well, I, the thing that and, and again I don't mean this is any disrespect to the Queen, but in terms of 
like comparing it to something like 9-11 or because I believe we also I think we canceled Premier League games after Princess Diana died as well I think there was you know, a couple I think of games Joe said that. yeah there were a couple games canceled I believe after that if I'm remembering correctly but th- those are shock incidents that you can in no way be prepared for which is that's kind of where I think the shock part comes into it as opposed to Queen Elizabeth was 96 years old. Like, this was always something that you should have kind of like a game plan for. Although, you know what? Like, as John said, I mean, she was seemed healthy as a horse like a week ago. So it's um, – I don't mean that in any disrespect. It's just it's, it's something that – a 96-year-old passing away is a lot less of a shock as opposed to two jet airliners taking out your – economic capital in your country or princess die dying in a freak car accident or something like that so I, I, I kind of agree with John where I would have been more okay with there, there was probably a way we could have the games be played and make it special still where we do some kind of tribute where it's not because I think I would be more okay with it the way it played out if we didn't have the World Cup in this year and like the chaos that's going to ensue but now we're going to have to try and find a way to schedule us playing Man City somewhere in a season where uh, we don't seem like we have a lot of free time. And I get that you could make the argument that, again, this is something that's bigger than sport, but from the sports point of view, it's, it's going to be kind of chaotic how we try and have to figure out where the city game gets slotted into. Yeah, well, from what I've heard, the only available slot so far is the third week in January after the World Cup. Um, and it, it's going to be hectic after the World Cup as well to jam all those... Uh, matches in well, but it, yes it does cause a problem and uh, quite honestly I think if the Queen had known that it was going to cause a problem and she was asked if football should go on or not although she was not a great football fan um, I think she probably would have said let's go ahead and celebrate you know yeah I could see that um, are you, is it the first week in January? Because uh, after the World Cup is third, third, no third third, third week. Third, week, no, third week. Oh, okay, that'll be the first break. Okay, yeah, and that's good. there's going to be a lot, and there's some teams that are going to miss too. It uh, looks like our match against Leicester is going to be played, and we will preview that one in the second half. But um, but yeah, so we missed out on the city. Uh, just quick conversation. Uh, uh, do you guys think uh, th- this is a good stay of execution? Or is it this worse because we're going to have to take them on when we're congested? Tommy? Uh, I'm not happy about the con- potential congestion. Um, but selfishly, I mean, I think it's a good state of execution just because we haven't been really firing on all cylinders, in my opinion. So, And we're, het- we're playing at Man City. So because of that, it's not the worst thing in the world. So that, uh, for me at least, that's a silver lining. But we'll, I don't know, I because of you know the World Cup and all that. One, I mean, we usually don't do business in January, but maybe Conte pushes for some purchases in, in the January window. He sees something in the World Cup that he likes, or it's like, or he probably right now knows the needs of the team. So whether it be midfield, what or wingbacks, etc. So it's probably like okay. Levy, pony up some money. We got to push. We got a lot of matches to go because halfway of the season's not even there by the by when uh, the World Cup starts. Well, I like your point uh, there, Tommy. I mean, I hadn't thought of that, but if we do do some business in January, we could have a stronger team to play City away, and Lord knows we need a strong team to play City away. It's like when it's like when Arsenal canceled last year with the fake COVID crap that they pulled in early January and then they had to play us in May with a team that we wouldn't have had. We had an even stronger team that had Kulachevsky and Dayon in it and had they just played it in January it probably could have gone their way but with that them postponing that it ended up we actually had a better team to play them in a few months. But I, the way I see it is there's, there's two sides to the coin to me. It's In one sense I'm happy because we've seen so many reschedulings and postponements with the the last couple, like with COVID, because it's just been, and we had a game with Burnley that got snowed out. We've had like so many of these crazy things the last couple of years where it's good in this sense that everyone's postponed. So it's not like us and City are going to be the only two that have to play this game and 
fit this into a weird timetable. So it, it is nice that everyone in the Premier League is going to have to have a game squeezed in. Where it could get interesting is when it comes time to reschedule it, like whether it be January or whenever, we're going to see it, it might be us looking at a disadvantage because City's going to be in it. City might be trying to win the league and they might be in a race with Liverpool or whoever. And somebody like Arsenal is going to have a game rescheduled and it's going to be Everton who are probably going to be in like 13th or 14th and have really nothing to play for. So that's where I think we'll find, depending on when it gets rescheduled, we might see some dramatic differences in the type of competition where that game could have been a little bit more under the radar had it been played in September. But now we got to play a title hunting team in January and that might not go our way. Excuse me. And the uh, the bigger issue with that is, say if we're out of the uh, Carabao Cup, if we lose to Nottingham Forest in, uh, what, October, November? Okay, November. F- few less games to think about. First first weekend of January, say we get knocked out of FA Cup. Okay, less games to play. Same with Champions League. If we ended up fourth, you know, this – I'm not saying it could be advantageous for us, but Conte can do a little bit of tinkering with or without purchases. So, Man City, while they do have the depth to play two squads full-time, they're probably going to be in all four competitions. So, Guardiola will have to have a little bit of a juggling act. And I would say any team that's not in Europe or gets kicked out, FA Cup, League Cup, it, they could be able to pick up the pieces. So, yeah. this, this could be one of the more interesting seasons that pans out because of well, A, the World Cup, and also because of the postponement of last week's weekend's matches. Yeah, it's, it's going to be weird, like, just everything that's going on. It really throws everything, and it's, it's it feels like our best chance, at least since, like, uh, you know, we finished second with Pochettino. It's like, it seems like our best chance chasing down the league, or, uh, but, um, but this could, uh, you know, throw a big crimp, <laughs> crimp in the plan. Uh, but we also have to play a lot better than we've been playing if we can even consider challenging for the league. And even though this isn't a league match, I I think this is a good place to transition into uh, this match that we watched today. So, you know, Champions League, we're back there. We're excited about that. We were able to work out, eke out the, the victory at home uh, last week. Uh, so now this is our first road match uh, in a, a challenge for us. Um, it was the other team that had also won, so uh, so this we could have made a statement with a victory here today um, that that says that yeah we're going to take down this group and we're going to control it. Um, but um, despite I think playing all right at times, we we didn't make that statement in the end of this game. So let's start the conversation there. Yeah. So how you said I don't think we played bad, but I don't think we played great either. My biggest thing is that. First half, we did. I didn't think like there are some things that didn't connect. Where Charleston had a goal that got called off for offside. He was offside. I think at least it felt like at least three, four times. Uh, it was frustrating, but I'd rather him be offside to break the offside trap than not do it at all and not get a goal scoring chance. Personal opinion, of course. Um, but second half, you know, we start off very strong, and then we plateaued. We couldn't get it. We were, like, stuck in second and third gear. We couldn't get that extra gear and actually get a goal, which is the most frustrating thing. Um, I know that the bench is lacking, and Dayon was the only one that came on. But, I mean, ideally, I wish he came on 60th minute. I know Lucas Mora is out right now. I think a lot of us are hoping that he comes back very quickly because we definitely could have used him. Uh, And the biggest thing is... It, uh, the way that Sporting Lisbon played, I felt that like their passing was very crisp. It was very like the way they played is very disciplined. They look very good. So yeah, they got two late goals on us. Very disappointing. It's just let's just uh, I mean we'll talk about second half, but like let's get a win against Leicester and go out on a high into the uh, into the international break. Yeah, for me. Um the way that Lisbon actually set up is what I think is the most worrying for me is, yeah, it, it, it is easy to get, it's easy to get sucked in and say, oh, you know what? We looked really good. Like we looked good in that first half, but you could also say that 
like based on like possession and the fact that we went in at one nil, you could say that that was the same case for West Ham. You could look at it like, wow, you know, we we had most of the possession and we looked good against West Ham in that first half. But when we play a team that sets up like that and is just going to let us have the majority of the possession, we've yet to prove that we can find a way to break them down and crack them. And that usually has to come from... Because, again, it took against uh, Marseille last week, it took a red card, and then we had all the possession, and it took a couple of nice balls in from delivery from Hoybier and Perisic. So we didn't have that today, and we looked really rusty in terms of... Like, like Richarlison being offside four or five times, or we had uh, like Royale having like a nice run into the box, but no one being in there with him. And then him should be running into the box, but he doesn't run into the box because we have all of the support in there. So it, it just, we have to find a way to play against teams that are going to let us have the majority of the possession. Cause we've seemed to have no problem with teams that want to be out against us. But I mean, it, it, it's kind of a template where it, it could be worrying going into the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree with you, Lucas. I don't know if I'm more disappointed than frustrated or more frustrated than disappointed. Um, I, it, we just didn't seem to click moving forward, although we had a lot of possession and our passing was good. Um, apart from Kane, I've got to say, a lot of his passes went astray and he didn't have the same crispness that we've seen in, in him before when he's assisted uh, the other players and got got assists rather than goals um, it it always seemed to me though and particularly in the second half that we were going to get a goal I yeah and then time and time again we didn't quite get a goal um, whether it was regular uh, whether it was uh, offside or what it was um, it just just seemed to miss a lot and then I don't know what happened in the last two minutes, quite honestly. Um, I think they were in shock after the first goal, and the second goal was a fabulous effort, let's face it. Um, but having said that, looking at the way that this table in the Champions League is working out, I think that's probably going to be our hardest game, quite honestly. I think Frankfurt are not going to be difficult away. I don't think... Uh, you know, and we've already done Marseille. So this is the hardest game. If we crack on and do well in the rest, then then we will get out of this group, and it shouldn't be a problem. Um, but I think Sporting is the is the toughest opponent, and we were an, in their ground. So all in all, I'm what I'm trying to do is uh, contain my disappointment and frustration by being pragmatic and saying that this loss is not going to hurt us that much. Yeah, I mean, I, it would have been nice to be a shoo-in for the group leaders because um, it is always nice to, for that next round of competition to be drawing from the, the teams that finish second in the group. But that's not out of the uh, you know out of the picture totally yet, yeah, but uh, it all depends upon how other teams do against uh, Lisbon. So. Yeah, and we'll need some help, but um, yeah, there, there's just, I think the thing that I was most disappointed in is that we did look, we looked like we were in control for the majority of it, but we didn't have, like, we just have not found that answer as to how we're going to crack some of these teams, and the problem you get with that is, it's funny because uh, Joe Leslie, like one of our Manchester Joe on the podcast here with us. Uh, he was in the pub today, finally. I haven't seen him in forever. And we were talking about, uh, we met his cousin, who's a Newcastle fan, and we were talking about the old game that we played against Newcastle on Potches last year, where we had we were up 1-0 and we had a million opportunities to score. We couldn't get that second one, and that was the one that Andy Carroll came on and had that weird header just that he flicked into Dyer's hand for what ended up being the equalizing goal. And that's where you get those games where you can't put teams away. And that's what we saw today where we had a million opportunities to put that team away and we couldn't sort it out. And if we're honest, I mean, they gave us a gift with 30 seconds left in that first half when Marcus Edwards ran through our entire defense and just decided to put it in the worst place possible and Hugo was able to make a save. Realistically, we bossed the first half and should have been going in one nil down at half. But Hugo was able to make a lucky save that they kind of gave us. So it's like we, we have to find a way to 
take the most out of these chances because this is a huge opportunity wasted. And even if we had gotten away with a draw today, that would have been fine. I, I would have been much more chipper if we had just hadn't folded in the last three minutes there. Like, I think we're, we're looking at this, leaving Portugal being like, oh, we went away and you get a point. And that's what the Champions League group stage is about. You win your games at home and you go try and get a draw on the road and usually that'll sort, your, like, sort yourself out and you'll be able to see your way through to the knockout stage. And so it's just, it kind of puts us behind the eight ball in a little bit where it, it just feels like a very big opportunity wasted. And that's where I think the frustration comes from. Yeah, uh, my prediction for today was two-thirds right. I thought we would draw, and I thought they would score two. The only thing I missed out on was I thought we would score two as well. Um, so I, like Lucas, tend to think that you're right. Win at home, draw away is going to win you the group. And um, we weren't able to do that today, and I, I wish we had. Yeah. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, the other thing is I just think that the bigger problem overall for me is that we've yet to kind of click out of first gear on the season. So that's where all of the games we've played, not even just Champions League, if we look at Premier League as well, out of all the games we've played thus far, how many can you say you walked away saying, wow, that was a really good performance by us? Southampton maybe? I I can't really say that we've given anything better than a B-minus thus far and that would be Southampton but even that game we conceded first and had maybe one of the cheekiest own goals I've seen from from a long we got a freebie that really like just turned that game into an onslaught so that could have been a dodgy like two that was could have been 2-1 going into the later stages of that game without the free own goal so it's like we haven't really got out of a B minus in any performance we've been able to now, I, you could spin that and look at that as a positive, saying we haven't gotten out of like first gear yet. We haven't lost in the Premier League yet, and we've been able to grind out these results. That's a way to look at it. But at the same time, it's like at some point we do need to kind of kick into second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth gear and get moving because there's a lot of teams in the Premier League that look like they're really lethal this year and look like they're able to kind of start getting their positive momentum going. And so we need to kind of catch up and we, we just don't seem to have clicked yet. And that's kind of where today felt it felt in that first half, like you just felt the goal coming, but it never came. And it's like, that's kind of where that's kind of where my disappointment is, is I'm like, okay, what do we have to do differently to kind of to finish? Yeah. To start getting some of these results. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause I can't keep watching this for the next, like I, I'm going to go nuts. Well, and we're going to go to John, but like uh, to your point, like uh, wasn't it Parasic that had two, like, Beautiful through uh, balls like that just rolled right th- through to the other side. Oh, and Royale had one as well. Royale, oh, Royale had, had one, one that yeah. went I'll, right across I'll, the face of goal and found no one. Yeah. I, sorry, I'll be very quick with this. That, that was the thing. Royale's cross. Got a little lucky with that with some maneuvering, but like it was a beautiful cross. And like for anybody that's ever been to the bar and seen me, I'm always you know, like crash the net, crash the net. Everybody was like behind around the uh, or around the uh, penalty line. Where the spot was, and I'm just like, Royale's at the touchline. I'm like, you got to go for it. So I, I don't know what's up, but hopefully we can get solve it soon. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Tommy. But uh, I, I think to go back to what Lucas was saying, and and just to remind ourselves, this was the first loss of the season, and we didn't play badly enough to lose, in my opinion. I agree with Lucas that we we got to get this car out of third gear and into fourth gear so that we can really take the other teams on. And I'm looking forward to when that happens. I just hope it happens sooner rather than later. Well, we had actually, last week afterwards, I said, I go, when we finally click, it's going to be at the expense of somebody, and it's going to be hilarious. When we click, it's going to be somebody's going to get pumped 6-0, and I can't wait to see who it is. I would really hope that it's Arsenal on October 1st. That would be awesome if we can just click into gear for that one. But... But yeah, it's you. You feel it's going to happen, but it's just that's where the frustration is. Is you want it to happen sooner and la- like sooner rather than later, and that's kind of where uh, I'll let Tommy jump in here. But I was going to say the one thing is I-, I would love to see Conti just be a little bit more proactive in making subs and changes and tactically like in the game. I mean, look, the, do we know as much as Antonio Conti? No, but <laughs> I would like to see. 
at some point, I, I, it feels like we've waited too long on a lot of these subs this, like, so far this year. Like, even Kulichevsky coming on today, I think we were all kind of calling for that at like 55, 57, 60th minute. We're all like, let's get, let's get Kulu on here and maybe do what we did last week. Yes, we had the man advantage last week, but it's like, I, I would like to see us be a little bit more progressive because it just seems like we're getting tired and we're out of ideas and then we get frustrated and nothing gets solved. When we added all this depth to your point. Yeah, exactly. Too. And I'm actually glad you brought that up, Lucas, because that actually brings up my question to the panel. And it's, for the most part, Conte has been playing these similar starting 11, minus Perisic and Sessegnon switching out, um, Romero switching out for Sanchez because he was injured, and so forth. What is it going to take, or do you foresee that he will act- Antonio Conte will actually switch out with a different lineup. Maybe Oliver – I know Oliver Skip just came off an injury, but I'm like, give him 20 minutes. Maybe Basuma starts. I know he hasn't been great, but I'm like – or for me, I've I've been kind of complaining a little bit. I'm like, why is Sun still starting? Let him sit a match. It's not a punishment, but I'm like, with Conte, it's like we got to – he is a win right now manager. So let's put the best squad out, have Richarlson – Kane and Dayon play as the front three, and then, um, or, you know, I mean, Royale's been fine, but I'm like, maybe put Doherty in, or whatever, you know, like, switch it up a little, or uh, Longley, I thought he played well last week, so I'm like, I want to, and especially with Leicester, they're definitely beatable, they're not great right now, so like, why don't I, I want to see more experimentation because because this will bring out some depth and the cream rises at the top, of course. I think it made a difference that we didn't have the match against Manchester City um, because that would have the players got more rest. So I think that Conte thought, well, they've had more rest so I can go with what I consider my best 11. And I think that's what he does. Um, as far as substitutions are concerned, I've noticed a trend, and that is Conte seems to wait till the 70th minute before he substitutes, rather than the more traditional 60th minute. Um, the the feeling being that with half an hour on, you can really do something. With 20 minutes, it takes a little bit to get warmed up, and uh, by then, maybe the game's over. So. Uh, I'm not going to criticise him for doing that because he knows a lot more about this game than I do. But uh, I do think it's odd that he does that. And uh, my answer to you, Tommy, is I think that we will see changes against Leicester because they're not a very good team. Now, how dangerous is that? Well, I think we're going to find out on Saturday, but uh, I do think that that could be that could be the game. This game, he didn't change the, his best squad because they were rested, and this was a Champions League. Or do you think this, because it was the best squad, they had the rest? This sure. provided him the best chance to win. I think, the, like on paper at least. I think this was he put the team out expecting a win, and okay. uh, you know that's where we are. Lucas. No, and, and, and I think that what's interesting about the Leicester game, and I know we'll get into that in the second half, but Leicester isn't a team that can really afford to come lose at White Hart Lane. Like, they will come play for – they will try and take it to us, and that is something that I think we'll see work into our favor. So I would think that we'll see some kind of changes, especially what Tommy had mentioned was – uh, like changes on the wing back, and I, I don't want to take the just I don't want to s- just throw Royale under the bus because um, I think that today he had many many opportunities to probably get us on the score sheet and he couldn't. But that that's been his biggest downfall or downfall is that Royale seems to be able to offer us nothing in the final third. But that's where I'm, I'm kind of wondering how long it takes until Conti says, let's try something else. It's not as if Doherty hasn't earned Conti's trust. So it, it, to me, it begs of some kind of fitness question where you're like, is Doherty been able to get match fit? Because we haven't seen him every day in training like Conti does. But we know that until his weird injury against like, getting taken out by your man from Villa, like, until that happened, like, he was the first choice right wing back. So it... it it hasn't, it's not as if – I'm not going to slag off Royale here, but it's like Royale hasn't played 
immense and just been incredible to the point where he's undroppable. But he's been the most undroppable. We, we've, had, we've seen rotation between Perisic and uh, Sessegnon. So it's like bar the one time where we saw uh, Jed Spence come in at the end of the Nottingham Forest game, which I think was more of just an homage to the fact that he used to play for Forest. That seemed like a little like kind of cute moment, not like a tactical thing. But bar that, we haven't seen him actually like Royale's been the most him and Harry Kane have been the most undroppable players in Conti's eyes. So I wonder how long it's going to take before we can actually maybe see Doherty get a shout. And that, that's kind of the other thing. I would say less than half of the starting 11, the facto starting 11, is undroppable. Kane, I would say, is undroppable just because we don't have a true out-and-out striker. Yeah, Richarlison can be a striker. But also, Kane can be dirt for 90 minutes and just pop up exactly. in the 90th with a header. Like, that's what he's capable. Yeah. You can't take that off. And, like, Hugo, um, I would say Romero, probably Dyer, uh, Perisic, uh, and Richarlison. Uh, Dayon, I would say, is undroppable, but he's been in and out for various reasons. But, like, those are the only ones that I can think of right now that I would say, like, okay, those are definite firm stars. They've been playing well enough where they haven't been beaten out by other competition. Right? Yeah, but we've already said that Sessignon uh, has been switched in and out with Perisic. So I don't think – I wouldn't put him in a definite position – um, but I think the defense is very strong. Um, it, all right, we gave up two goals today. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I still believe the answer lies in the midfield, that we're not, getting, we're not winning enough balls in the midfield and we're not stretching out. We're good at the front, we're good at the back, we're not so good in the middle. That's, kind of why, that's my biggest reason why I feel Skip needs to get to begin a chance. Yeah, again, like I said, he's coming off an injury. Give him 20, 30 minutes against Leicester. Let's see what he has to offer. Probably not going to get recalled, excuse me, by England for international break. Let's see what he has to offer during uh, training. And then, d- depending on how that goes, maybe he starts again our, our, against Arsenal. I mean, I'm not putting bring my hopes up, but I mean, we, we ha- I mean, I would, I'm hoping that Conte explores all options right now just because we're not firing on all cylinders. Well, and I want to see more of the subbing on Dayon as a right wing back because I think that's worked pretty uh, well for us, like late in games when it's been done. Like I, I don't necessarily want to see him start that that way, but maybe for certain matches to have him start that way. I think there's a there's a case to be made that like we've looked better when he's been pushed into that role and we've been able to keep the other th- three attackers on. Well, I, I think that's a great shout actually, and I think it's something that you can see with with how somebody wants to set up against us. So we thought Dayon has looked great as a potential right wing back in the last two games that he's done it. Today when he came on against a team that was letting us have the ball and against a team that had no choice but to let us have the ball because they were a man down, we switched to a back four and we had Dayon come on in like a right wing back role. But it's if when we play teams that are going to let us have the ball, like that West Ham game or this one or even Fulham, to an extent, it's that would be one that you could say, yeah, you know, like let's give Day on the run out today as like the right wing back or Lucas Mora. We tried that in the preseason. We tried Lucas Mora, and like that looked pretty cool at times. So, because you're not asking him to have to go back and worry about defending, because what are they going to do? Hit you on the break? We have three center backs that can all clean that up. Like you, you're not being asked to be really a defender because we're going to have 80% of the ball. So to the, in that sense, yeah, I think that's a perfect opportunity for a game like today. Like, let's see what Dayon can do with Richarlison, Kane, and Son up top. Like, that seems like a pretty insane top four. If, yeah, or, especially yeah, with Parasitch. Yeah, ex- exactly. And Parasitch, a guy who can whip in balls with precision on the left side. So, yeah. there's – that. like, I think that would be – like, if we go play Man City, it might not be the day to have Kulachevsky be experimented at white, right, right wing back. But I think – in games like today where we're expected and we've in the first half we've had the majority of the ball that's that's one where you say let's let's give him a run out and see because when he came on as it took him two minutes and he ran at a guy beat him and then got fouled and they conceded a yellow card within two minutes of him having the ball on the right side so well, well, that's the stuff we like that's what you want to see out of your wingbacks yeah no definitely 
And that's a good conversation that we can continue to have uh, in future episodes. But I think this is a good place to go to MVP. Uh, so let's start with uh, John first. Do you have an MVP for this match? Um, it's difficult, but I'm going to say Perisic. I thought he played very well. He put good balls over. It wasn't his fault that the, uh, the other players didn't seem to read what he was doing. He was doing what he was supposed to do. So for me, Perisic. Yeah, good shout there. Tommy? I originally had Perisic, but the scoreline doesn't tell the whole story, but I'm giving it to Hugo. I think he made a lot of vital saves. Again, his distribution was less than to be a lot less uh, than to be desired. But in terms of his shot stopping, he was great. Yeah, he got beaten by the five hole in the second goal, but I think those two goals, it was just a failure on uh, the back line's part. But overall, if those two goals didn't happen, he would be clear man of the match. This so for me it's like that's but overall, regardless of that, I'm still giving it to him. Okay, uh, Lucas? Yeah, I actually had Hugo as well. Um, I mean, right before they scored on that corner, he had one of the best saves we've seen in a long time. And it's just, he kept us, if you have him keep it the way he played, like he kept it nil-nil for 90 minutes. And when you have the amount of possession and the amount of chances that we had today, it's like the other 10 guys on the pitch have to sort out a way to get those three points because – he did his best to keep us in it for 90 minutes. You, you got to have some – you got to back him up. That's No, good show. And, and I, I'll be honest with you guys. I was uh, – I think it was like the 89th minute. Um, Hugo had made some great saves, and I was thinking this is going to be a, a, a nil-nil draw, and Hugo is going to be my man of the match. Um, but then those two goals went in, and so I think I'm going to lean more towards John and say Perisic for this one because he, he was doing a good job, and he, he did exactly what he needed to do to, to set us up to score goals, and the finishers didn't finish. Uh, so um, let's go to LVP next, and we'll go back to John. Well, I was very disappointed in Kane's performance today. He wasn't crisp, but the balls that he was trying to put through weren't accurate, he didn't have the right pace on them. And you know with me, I tend to go not with maybe the worst player on the field, but the worst that, uh, the worst performance based on other performances. So based on other performances, I think Kane had a poor game, and that would be me. Tommy? Yeah, John said it a lot more eloquently <clears throat> than I could ever, but he pretty much outlined my thoughts. Um, Harry, sorry, you're getting it. Son, he, I, I'll, I'll give him an honorable mention. I think Son did not play great, well either. He just played not as bad. Uh, he had some promising runs, but he pretty much say, played the, similarly as Kane. Uh, things weren't connecting. I'm not saying he looked lost out there, but, you know, just passing wasn't great. So it was just for, the, for our best duo in a very long time probably ever it was very uh it was very disappointing lucas uh yeah um i could see those um i actually had mine as royale which is weird because he had like a lot of you thought he had a lot of potential in the first half but it, it goes down to the same thing that i've been saying for weeks where what we need him to be is just not what he's meant to be so when you have the like every time Perisic had the ball down the left, you thought, okay, something can come from this. Every time Raya had the ball, it's not running at someone, recycling it back out. It was, it was very wasteful. And we need a right wing back that can actually try and break these teams down. And I will give a special shout out for LVP to Richarlson for the fact that he was offside like six times today. So as much as we want to slate Kane and Son, at least they were staying onside. Like, yeah, but it saved that goal happened. I forgot what minute it was, but say if he got it, and we won one nil. Well, you are, can't are, get it if you're offside because I'm just they will, for argument's sake. <laughs> those are the you rules. Wouldn't have slated him. <laughs> They'd be but, like, well, what if he punched it in with his hand? Well, that would have been cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. but it's against the rules, of so course. you can't. No, but I, I. But that's actually why. I mean, yeah, he was offside a lot of times, but like that's kind of why I don't <laughs> like, give it to him. I'm, I, I'm not willing to give it to him because I would say, in terms of the attack, he was probably our best attacker. Yeah, he was offside a few things times, but like how I said before, rather have him be offside and try to test the offside trap. But I mean, that's open to discussion, of course. But I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I was between Kane and Son, 
Um, I mean, Sun just was e- so easy to knock off the ball. And then Kane's touch was terrible in, the, in his passing in the midfield, which is usually can, can find a clinical forward pass to open things up. I just wasn't seeing that out of him. I think I'm going to uh, go with you guys and say Kane. But Sun's really close behind for me. Um, well, um, I think this is a good place to go to half. So in the second, ha- um, in the second half, we are going to preview the upcoming Leicester City match this weekend. Uh, but first, we are going to go to two halftime segments, Luke's Locks and John's Lone Player Update. Luke's Locks. All right. Welcome to Luke's Locks. First up, we're going to take Villa minus a half a goal at home versus Southampton. Villa has looked much stronger at home and are in need of a good result. And as we know, as Tottenham fans, Southampton will be the perfect team to come in and have that get accomplished. So take Villa minus the half goal at home versus Southampton. Next up, we're going to take our beloved Tottenham Hotspur at home minus one and a half goals versus Leicester. This pick is a bit biased, um, but I think we have to start scoring goals at some point, and we do have a good record at home against Leicester, so let's take Spurs minus the one and a half goals at home. Third, we're going to take another home favorite with Newcastle minus one and a half goals at home versus Bournemouth. Uh, Newcastle has looked strong at home this year, and Bournemouth has looked woeful in general, so this one's a no-brainer. Newcastle minus one and a half at home versus Bournemouth. Fourth and finally, we're going to take over two and a half goals in Brentford at home versus Arsenal. Brentford has yet to be held scoreless at home, and Arsenal has scored multiple goals in five of their six games this year. So this over seems like a no-brainer as well. Take Arsenal, Brentford, over two and a half goals. There's your four free locks of the week. Let's go get rich, kids. Well, thank you for that new introduction to my loan segment. Uh, appreciate that. Don't really think I'm worthy of a musical introduction, but nonetheless, here we go. Um, this is the first report for the 2022 season, and so I've got a lot to go through so that you can realise where these players are and why they're there and what they're doing. As far as I'm concerned, we have currently have nine players on loan, and from what I can see, four of those are on loan because we couldn't sell them. Four of those are on loan because we really want to see what they can do. And I'm not sure about the, the, the ninth one at all. So let's talk about those that we couldn't get rid of. Um, Ndembele has been la- loaned out to Nantes. They are in League One in France. Now, unsurprisingly, he's been very erratic. Um, and he lost his place, his starting place last week, um, and he's only been coming in off the bench and not doing very much. So he's doing nothing to uh, put his value up, which I think was the point of his loan, so that we could get some decent money back for him, but it doesn't look like that's working. As far as Regulon is concerned, he's gone to Atletico Madrid in Spain, uh, has not played... Technically, uh, I'm told he is uh, suffering from a groin injury, uh, but I would also think that he's not really match fit either. And the same thing with Harry Winks, who's gone to Sampdoria in Syria R in Italy. He has not been included in the squad this week. Um, we're not sure, again, if he's injured or whether he's just not match fit. That only leaves uh, Giovanni Lacelso who is in Villarreal in Spain. He hasn't had a great beginning to the season. He's got uh, two goals, um, and he, he seems to fit in there. I think that's his style of football. So I would expect, I think they have a clause to buy him, and I think he's going to go out there um, permanently. So that's the four I think we couldn't sell. The one I'm not sure about, what we're doing with, is Joe Roden. He has been sent to Stade René in Ligue 1 in France. He's a regular. He's been getting uh, good reviews. Uh, He scored a goal against Brest last week. 
Um, but he did get one terrible review in the second game wherever, when evidently he gave the ball away in the box very badly and the opposition scored. So some people were saying at that point, well, that's why we got rid of him. But nonetheless, he seems to be getting better and I don't know if he's going to come back or if he's going to stay away. That's, uh, that's to be decided. So that leaves us with the four that I think are players for the future um, that we currently have on loan. The first is Destiny Udoji. He's playing for Udinese uh, Calcio. He is absolutely burning the league up. He scored in a 4-0 win over Jose Mourinho's Roma. Um, he also uh, he got a goal versus... Uh, yeah, another name I can't see my writing on. So he's doing very, very well. He's a very, he's a strong attacking midfielder. And as we've talked about on this uh, podcast, I think attacking midfielders would not go amiss at our club. Um, the second one who's out on loan is uh, maybe one for the future is Alfie Whiteman. He's a goalkeeper. He is playing for the second season in a row at Dega 4. They are in the Allsvenskan, Swedish first division. Um, last year, he saved them from relegation with a few saves in the last couple of games. And uh, it looks as if they're, they're going to struggle a bit uh, this year as well. But I always think that if a team is struggling and you're a goalkeeper, that's when you're going to get most experience anyway. Um, the third one, a player for the future, and you've heard this name because he was out on loan last year, is Troy Parrott. Now, what they've done with him is they have moved him from uh, League One to the Championship. So he's moved up in class, as they would say if he was a, uh, a racehorse. Um, he's playing for Preston North End. He's starting all their games. Uh, sadly, he hasn't got any goals yet, but he is getting very, very good reviews. The fans like him, the management likes him, and uh, he's evidently doing things really well. And I've left till last uh, absolute jewel on the crown, Dane Scarlett. Dane Scarlett has been moved to Portsmouth. They are in League One in England. That's the third division. He has scored four goals in three games. Uh, two in wins. Uh, he's got two in the win over Peterborough, where they where they won one nil, and consequently Portsmouth are top of that League One. They absolutely love him. The crowd love him. He's getting his name chanted every every week. So he is having an absolute ball down there, banging them in like crazy. Um, so I definitely think that uh, he's one that will get back at one point and will be a great addition to our offense. So, so there we are. That's uh, John's loans for the first uh, time in 2022. Thank you for listening and uh, look forward to doing this again in about three weeks to bring you up to date on everybody else. Thank you. Well, th well thanks as always, uh, Lucas and John. Yeah, I, just, I was going to say, John, I just started, uh, I followed uh, Portsmouth, just, just started following them on Twitter. Just, I mean, there's not a lot. Eh, couldn't really give a crap about that club, but I just wanted to see what like their their stance was on Dane Scarlett, and they love him. They seem to really love him down there. So, and he seems to be doing a really good job. He seems like he's fit in perfectly. So, is like this one of those you just hope he stays healthy and hope that he can be the next like oliver skip in terms of going to that perfect loan fit which is sometimes really hard to find yeah and portsmouth have a good setup i mean they were it wasn't so long ago they were in the premiership and then they got into financial i'm gonna say hardship but that means you didn't have anything to do with it but it was financial shenanigans shall we say but they've got a decent stadium uh, you know nearly thirty thousand, and they're selling it out in league one so and and scarlet is playing up front, up front role, striker role, and he's really banging them in. I think it's wonderful to see for the lad. No, definitely. And uh, it's interesting to hear how well Udogi is playing as well, like because uh, he's one that will probably be, be, be back next season for us, I would, would imagine. I um, would think that definitely because he's playing in uh, what the Italian 
first division. Yeah, he's in Serie so A. He's, yeah. yeah, I mean that, that doesn't, and that's a tough league. So if you can excel in that league, I think that's probably that and the Bundesliga, the two leagues where you can bring people in right into the Premiership from. And if he's dominating in that division, then yes, he's ready to come. Last and and last year he had more goal involvements in Italy than anybody else in the league at his position, bar or as like a fullback or wingback, bar Perisic. Yeah, so I we got we got both of them. So <laughs> I didn't, me. I didn't yeah. mention it, but he was uh, loaned back for a year to the club he was at. Yeah, so he's obviously comfortable there, but doing a great job. Yeah, no, great. Well, thank thanks so much for the information. Well, speaking of loans, here's your perfect transition. That guy uh, plays up top for us. Scored a lot of goals. Can't remember his name off the top of my head. Plays number ten. Uh, he had a nice loan spell at Leicester City. Uh, Kane, that's his name. Jesus, it was. Oh, big day. Yeah. Kane. <laughs> the rapper. It was, it was gonna. Oh, it was gonna bug me all night. Yeah, Harry Kane, well, on loan to Leicester. That was a good loan, not for Leicester, but good for us. So, well, well, definitely, and that's a good transition in. So obviously, this Saturday uh, we are one of the matches that are going to be taking place in England uh, th- this weekend, and uh, we take on Leicester City at home. Um, this is uh, 11.30 here in Chicago, so a little bit later of a match. Uh, they are sitting in a woeful 20th place right now um, with just one point. That's um, zero wins, um, uh, one draw, and five losses. Yikes. Um, they uh, did lose 5-2 to Brighton away uh, prior to the <sighs> Queen's passing uh, So that, that weekend. Uh, prior to that, they lost to Man U, lost to Chelsea, drew stock. Uh, Port County and then lost to Southampton and they take on Forest uh, the following Monday after uh, so 10-3 so after the international break uh, their top goal scorer right now is James Madison with a woeful two and then Vardy has two assists as their um, th- their top assist guy Thielmans is their top rated player 7.36 um, we've won four, four out of the last five times we've played them, so uh, we've been handling them pretty well as of late, though I know we have a history where we haven't. Uh, where are we at uh, on this game? Well, I think the first thing to think about is, yeah, they're in 20th right now with one point out of six games, which is dreadful. But if you actually look at those games, they actually probably had the st- – that's probably the worst starting schedule you could have in terms of, like, your fixtures. It's – they started with Brentford away, which is tough. It's never tough to go play them. And Arsenal away, Southampton, Chelsea, United, and Brighton away. It's like that's a tough six games. So I, I think Leicester has played poorly in their opening six. But before you write them off, it's, that's always a team. They have guys that can come hurt you, and that's a really tough schedule. So I don't think it's fair to look at the one-point from like six games and say ah you know 20th we should we should bash them it's this is a tough team that's going to want to come to white Hart lane and play an actual game so i think we're going to be we're going to be in for an open game which i mentioned in the first half i think will actually benefit us well but having said that we're just as good as the other teams that have beaten them so there's no reason to suggest we shouldn't if we play well um i do believe that they have spent very little in the transfer window and so, obviously, there's something going on with management there. Tell me. It's some... actually not a management issue. The reason is because they have to balance their books. So, that's why, you know, Schmeichel left for like a million. I forget who else got sold. But a bunch of players got sold. Um, the reason is because apparently, I re- remember reading that 95% of their budget is on players. And if they didn't qualify for Europe, you know, they had to restructure so this what is why. Mean, can I, what, what do you mean on wage or on players like like, like wages? wages oh, okay. And, yeah. Okay. Not like. Okay. So because like and that's for I would presumably for any team that's exorbitantly high because if you're paying the remaining five percent for staff and coaching or whatever, it's like that. That's a like yeah like you know ten million might be for staff coaching whatever, but the other ninety five percent which is a lot of money. That means their budget's like what? I, I, I don't know the math right now, but, you know, a lot of money. So, one way or another, they, <laughs> did, they didn't bring players in, and they're not playing very well, and we're playing them at home. I think we should win this comfortably. I, do, I look forward 
to seeing the team that Conte will put out because if ever there was an opportunity to, and I'm not going to say put out a weakened side, if ever there was an opportunity to give some of these guys who've been coming on as subs starting positions, this is it. And um, obviously we'll wait and see. Can't see inside Conte's head. But uh, I'm looking forward to the game. I think we should win comfortably. But I'm also looking forward to the team we're going to put out, seeing what that is. Yeah, and I I think the main word that you were probably thinking there is just rotate. Like, this is the perfect day to rotate. And I think that that's not a slag off on Leicester themselves. I think this is a good team that's more than capable and has shown us time and time again that they're more than capable of hurting us. But um, it's... It's a team that I expect to, like I had mentioned, they're going to come out. They're going to try and push forward. We're going to have many opportunities to hit them on the break. So this is one where I think with Conti, it's how many times do we need to see the exact same thing in a row and be like, wow, we can't really get out of that second gear. So it'd be nice to see changes that aren't, okay, uh, Langley's in for Davis or Sons in or uh, Richarlson's in for Kulachevsky. I'd like to see some rotations in other areas that we haven't seen yet. One of those would maybe be if maybe Basuma gets another crack at it. Maybe Oliver Skip gets a crack at it. Maybe we work in Doherty like we had mentioned. Sessignon gets back out there. Spence gets a game. Something like we got to have at some point we're going to have to start rotating guys in positions that aren't okay. Son or Kulachevsky or Richarlson and Langley or Ben Davis. So it's like we, we got to get some new guys in there that can at least offer us a different look that Lester might not be ready for. I think the only thing that we have to consider, though, is this is the last match that we're going to have before this international break comes up. Um, so, yes, we're it's on semi-short rest because of today's match, but at the same time, they uh, the, he might be more inclined to use the players now uh, since they're gonna, ha- everybody's gonna have a long break, especially a lot of those uh, um, uh, the players that aren't gonna go on international. Uh, Tommy, yeah, that's my biggest concern with that. I think that might be what Conte might err on, just because like, hey, I know these players. I think they'll do well. They'll bounce back from the win against Sporting Lisbon. But my argument is, October is the last month that we have before the World Cup. Let's change it up a little bit. We have been firing on all cylinders. Let's get the let's get some of these um, bench players that we bought, or like you know whether it be Skip, Spence, etc., Doherty, whatever. Bring them in. Let's see what they have to offer because we the team needs to make a big push. I'm not saying be lights out for October, but he needs to explore all options. So you know Langley. Okay, oh, he might be doing better, or he might do great against uh, Leicester. Let's put him in for Arsenal or Newcastle or whoever, um, Eintracht Frankfurt, etc. You know, so there's a lot of matches that we have. So, you know, we got League Cup, uh, Champions League, Premier League. So there's going to be a lot of playing time, but, like, let's sort this out right now and see what happens instead of having the, uh, his hand forced and playing these players out of necessity, whether it be burnout or injuries, you know. Yeah, It's safer to roll the dice now than do it during Arsenal and somebody picks up an injury during international break. What do you guys think is the key to this match? So obviously the two biggest threats, probably Madison, Vardy. Um, Is there a way to take them out of the game? I mean, Vardy has a knack for uh, causing us trouble. And this is going to sound kind of like silly in terms of like well no duh but the key is going to be actually taking our chances when we have them early because that's how you put a team like this away and that's something we've seen we're not able to do as of late is actually close a team out and the reason i because we can just say what madison and vardy yeah madison and vardy are probably going to be the guys you have to worry about we've been able to say that about the last couple games bar today like premier league games we'll talk about uh, when we played West Ham, you always knew it was going to be Suchek or Antonio. One of them's going to hurt you. Those are the only two guys you actually had to worry about. And what did it come down to? Antonio playing a ball onto Suchek for the equalizer. When we played Fulham, you knew it was going to come from what's his uh, who's the guy? Uh, oh, Mitrovic. Mitrovic. Thank you. I'm like, you knew it was going to be Mitrovic from a mile away. It's like just mark that guy. 
there's nothing else that they're going to do that's really going to hurt you. Well, Yet we didn't he do comes very out, well. He's the one guy that scores against us. Yeah, so we knew that about Sporting Lisbon, though. Um, <laughs> Edwards was going to be the guy. Yeah, and we let him walk right in with 20 yeah. seconds left in the first half. So, it's we yeah, we, we can have the game plan dialed in, but it needs to be us taking advantage on the attacking end that puts these teams away because I've always said that with, like, Man City, the way they play. When Man City gives up a 90th-minute goal like today, like we did, when Man City gives that up, they're usually up by five, so they really don't care. <laughs> today, when you don't take advantage of any of your chances and then get a weird near-post header that gets flicked in and it gets all three points, it's like that's – that's kind of what you get when you don't put your chances away. So that's, to me, it's going to be on the attacking end against Leicester. It's, it's just Harry, Son, Richarlison, Kulu, whoever gets to start up top. Like, do you guys put these chances away? Because we've had plenty and we haven't been able to sort it out. So I'm thinking that's the big key. Not as much as what Leicester is going to do against us. It's going to be what can we do to sort it out and the attacking end. Do you guys think that, that Brendan Rodgers – a job is at risk here if he uh, doesn't start to, to play better. I I think because of what I outlined with their money issues, I think he probably knew that coming in to the season, or at least at the end of last season. It's like, we're going to have to sell a lot of players. You're going to have to make do. Now, talent-wise, they do have some talent. They can still linger around mid-table, whether it be Vardy, Tielemans, Madison, uh, and whatnot. So... The talent's there. I just – my biggest thing is can we keep them down and then they make their run later? It's it's definitely possible. It's just I think how Lucas said, like, we got to be attacking better. I'm My biggest thing right now is I'm not saying next this Saturday's game is a must win, but we got to – since we're not firing on all cylinders, the fact that we can – if we can get, like, a 3-0 win or whatever, you know, this will get us into a good frame of mind – into the international break. Well, and similar, we talked about um, when we played West Ham that we were happy that they had gotten their uh, their first win prior to playing us. Um, Leicester's still trying to get their first win. Um, is that concerning to us here with this fixture? And No, and that again goes to what I was talking about earlier is on paper, if that was like Fulham, I'd be like, yeah, that, that kind of spooks me a little bit. But because that means Leicester's going to come out and play us, that I think will fit. in. We're going to see Bentoncourt and Hoybier have a lot of space in the midfield on counterattacks to just get it up to Harry, who's going to get it up to Richarlison and Son. And I think we're going to see us at our finest because of the fact that Leicester has to come out and try and get points here. So I think that's going to actually benefit us. I don't. I can't imagine they come and just say, "Oh, hopefully we can sit, sit and get a point today." Like I, I don't see that happening at all. No, and that's certainly the plan. And I look forward to them actually executing the plan because we haven't really been able to do that yet. So I think this is a great opportunity for us to to, to get things together and really move on. See, that's that's a thing, John. I feel like on paper we can beat any team in the league on our day. If we're in sync and the team is firing on all cylinders, we can. This could be a slaughter. So bring. So like, if they're in sync, they have the confidence. We can do it. If we're not, if not, we could limp to a tie or a victory. I don't. I don't. I mean, a loss in theory could happen, of course. Well, I think if that does happen, the one thing that's that's changed recently is that if you do get 5-0 up in the past, the team would back off and you'd have a 5-0 victory. With the way the goal difference is now, we're not going to. if we're 5-0 up, we will still go for the extra couple of goals because, what, nine was scored last weekend. Yeah. And uh, that goal difference makes a huge, huge difference in the, uh, in the end uh, when, the, when the league closes up. So... Um, yeah, I, I really hope, Tommy, you're right. We'll crush him. Yeah, because I would say, correct me if I'm wrong. I'll, actually, you know what? I've got it pulled up right now. No, in terms of goal differential, like we beat uh, Southampton by three, but right now. I think, we're, I, think we're on, I think we're on par with Arsenal. City and, City yeah, and Liverpool. we have seven. Yeah, City and or, Liverpool are way ahead of us. But Brighton, they're going to eventually tell. Liverpool but, beat somebody by nine. Yeah. So. And Liverpool, <laughs> are their GD is nine right now. So them slaughtering, was it Bournemouth? 
that covered it for them. We so, still haven't played Bournemouth yet. So. Uh, everyone's looking forward to that one. <laughs> Just <laughs> you like, wait. That's the so, winner. So They're John, the new Norwich. So, John, I definitely agree with you in principle, but here's my other argument, though. How I said, bring on other players. If we're up 5-0, yeah, still go for the kill, but bring in other players in for seasoning. Let's see what they have to offer. Yeah. You know? Oh, okay. Well, g- good shouts all around. Let's go to uh, predictions here. Um, and we will start with Lucas this time for predictions. Uh, I'm going to go 3-1. And I'm going to say Sun has a brace and Kane scores. I like it. Uh, Tommy? I'm going to be slightly more optimistic. Um, I'm going to say 3-0. And I will say... Richarlison and Kane with two. I like it. John? Well, before you said that, Tommy, uh, in my mind was 3-0. I think uh, Son will get off his mark. I think Kane will get one. And uh, uh, let's say Richarlison for the third. It's spread it around nicely. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say 4-1. I think this is going to be a, a really good performance and breakout performance for us. Um, maybe the first one since Southampton. Um, I think uh, we get two goals from Kane. Um, I think Sun does get off the mark again. And I think uh, we're going to see Decky in this match. And uh, Decky gets a goal in this one as well. Um, any final thoughts uh, before we wrap up the episode? So the, oh. the kind of the woeful performance first half or, or mixed performance and uh, poor result anyway? So... And, uh, Anthony will say at the end, but I, I do edit the podcast, so um, I can't, I'll just say it now. Uh, Charlie did our music for John and Lucas's segment, so hopefully you like it. Um, when, when Charlie sent me some of the previews for it, I was like, both these were pretty awesome. So hopefully uh, whoever listens enjoys it as much as I do. Well, if you enjoy it, tell us. If you didn't enjoy it, keep it yourself. <laughs> well, and, and Tommy, thanks for organizing oh, yeah, no that to uh, get Charlie to, to, to write those songs for us. And we definitely appreciate it because he, he does not charge us for that. And uh, um, it, it really adds to the podcast. So we definitely appreciate that so much. Um, any other final thoughts before we wrap things up? Okay, well, I think that that about wraps it up. So thank you so much for, to Tommy for editing t- today, me for sound, uh, Charlie for the music, as we said, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. Great to be recording here. Uh, find us on our many platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on those platforms or wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Star Spurs and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you spurs.